Blog Talk Radio. to oppress people, African power to African people, and black power. It's your brother and host, National Chairman Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, coming to you again today on another Tuesday, our Political Education Tuesdays. Um, like always, man, this is, and brothers and sisters, this is your program, our program, Independence Black Talk Radio, an opportunity to express your ideas, opinions, critiques, criticisms, whatever, you know, your brother is of the African communal mindset. I believe that collectively we can accomplish any and all things. Individualism only leads to our death and our destruction. I'm excited about today's show. Uh, the dangers of Marxism and, and narrow nationalism in the African liberation struggle. And I, I think one of the reasons that I'm excited, like always, I'm always excited to bring political education to my people, especially on Tuesdays. We have our shows on Thursdays, and Thursdays are our shows, you know, the form, um, wilding out. It's a little more lax, but Tuesdays are a lot more directed into what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to achieve, discussing the political objectives and the means to obtain and manifest these political objectives. Um, one of the reasons I'm excited about today's show is because I've been traveling, doing my travels. I've been speaking at the universities and Speaking with the universities and other nationalities, revolutionaries from other nationalities, from the movement, the Afro-Cuban movement, some white, so-called white revolutionaries, um, and discussing with these people, the topic of ideology has been the dominant theme. The topic of ideology has been the dominant theme. And I thought what was fascinating was how much these different revolutionaries from these other ethnicities knew about our struggle historically. <clears throat> but what was funny, though they knew our struggle historically, I mean, these cats could name dates, times, people, circumstances, 
that led to particular actions taken by our revolutionary formations, our revolutionary freedom fighters. What, but what stood out the most was how they were applying their revolutionary ideology and philosophy to our struggle. And when I begin to speak to people of African ancestry, black people, about our revolutionary struggle, I was amazed at the contrast, how diff we may have matched them in study. We may have matched them in an understanding of history and knowing the history and being able to quote particular revolutionary um, leaders and freedom fighters from those eras, but how stark of a difference it was when it came to revolutionary philosophy and ideology, what system we were going to use to wage the revolution. And I would hear the differences as far as Marxist, Lenin, socialism, communism, to narrow nationalism of um, just kill whitey outright that the white man, that white skin was a problem. And it, and it amazed me, this contrast. You know, I'm sitting here with these students and these, you know, from, like I said, from these different places and their grasp of the problems that affected them. And one, a couple in particular, and, I, you know, preferably they have the opportunity to get online with my Afro-Puerto Rican brothers and sisters, their grasp of, Puerto Rico being a colony and what it had to do and their 10-point platform to liberate and empower the Puerto Rican people, to bring the rights to Puerto Rican people, their fight for self-sufficiency and independence and liberation. And talking to our people, how we just really didn't have our youth, I don't know if it wasn't um, that they were motivated, weren't motivated, maybe we're not motivating them enough to really look and come up with a practical theory in this day and time or they're getting caught in nostalgia that they're going back to thinking about the days of old or our predecessors, the the um, ideologies and philosophies and views that our predecessors have and trying to and just become parakeets, uh, uh, mimicking them, but really not becoming sociologists and psychologists and all the things that revolutionaries must become to really get a proper analysis of the situation that affects us. I was talking to some of our on this college campus, of course, there were, were leftists. There were socialists and communists, and I was talking to some of the black socialists and communists, and what began to hit me was I became aware of the dangers of that, how they had become so far left that every the struggle just became a class struggle, and they didn't take in consideration all the aspects or all the components of oppression, especially for oppression of the people here in the States, race and gender. And that was my thing. But what about race? You know, when we look at Karl Marx and we look at him coming up him and Frederick Engels coming up with their whole communist manifesto and this whole philosophy of, of, of communism from communalism, from Hegel and the likes, one of the things I kept pointing out to them is that did Karl Marx take into fact or into consideration institutional racism? You can't escape the institutional racism. When you're talking about the proletarian, when you're talking about the working class, 
the institution, why is it important to factor in institutional racism? Because, yes, um, as far as globalization, as far as um, America evolving from a capitalist nation to an imperialist globalist financer, meaning that they're, that they're using and exploiting and going to third world countries, sapping up the resources to finance their, um, this imperialism all over the world to finance these so-called democratic governments that agree to uh, begin to have capitalist forms of economic systems that in America, here in America, and what that does is it devalues, especially in this day and time with it, with wars and civil wars going on and the, the people in the third world countries and these other countries realizing that's not what's in the best interest of the people, it begins the dollar has decreased in value globally. The dollar has decreased in value globally. So what does America do to make up for the decrease in the dollar? They have, this is where the institutional racism comes in. The first people to go are black people. And what I mean by it decreases, and because we look at, when we look at the great migration up to the Midwest and all these other places in Cleveland, Detroit, uh, the automobile factories, the industrialization has shut down, especially as far as manual labor due to robotics, you know, anatronics and other things like that. So that man man labor has went down. Therefore, you know, then we're looking, that goes into the education system. Who is coming out of school being prepared to do this? And even though, you know, when it's shutting down, the first to go are black people. White people, due to institutional racism over here, still have a thing, a certain amount of protection based on white privilege and white entitlement. That is very real. We can't deny that. So to supplement and to use as a surplus, the largest growing industry in America is the profitation of prisons, not slavery. The minority race, black people, brown people, people of minority, people who have socially and cultural, uh, socially and culturally been um, traps have been laid and sneered to, I'm not going to say prevent them from higher learning, but have made it difficult for them to go into institutions of higher learning, have been reduced to semi-slavery or outright slavery due to prison industrial complex. And a capitalist system, just like they did in the last time with slavery, capitalizes on that, capitalizes on that labor. So prison, prison inmates are being contracted out. So I was talking to my black leftist comrades and everything like that, and I said, so how can you, that is the danger of going so far left with the Marxism. It's also, you know, just getting in the class struggle and being so multicultural that us forming cadres and organizations that not only speak to the class struggle but also speak to the race and gender struggle or race and gender oppression and other issues that are specific for people of African ancestry or people of African descent, black people here in America. And that was my, you know, that's what I threw out there to them. How do we, that's the challenge. And then on the other side of the table, when I would go speak, now mind you, we're amongst other ethnicities, and that's why I'm telling you, I was astounded at the grasp that these young people from other ethnicities had of how their government ran, the politics of their government, and solutions they were willing to explore or options they were willing to explore to be solutions for the problems they faced. 
and I found ours being very utopic, being very idealistic, being very dreamlike, being very, you know, romantic, you know. So I would go to the other side. So here I found a group of black people, very intellectual. I'm not taking their intellectual powers. They were very intelligent, young black men and women. I just think that a lot of that intelligence was dedicated to furthering or trying to um, defend Marxist-Lenin theory and ideology. And I was saying, why not take some of that and begin to look at our plight from an analytical perspective and taking the best of that can be used for us and towards our liberation struggle. And then I would go to the other side of our so-called revolutionary fighters, and I found them to be me, a narrow nationalists. I mean, everything, which I can understand the outrage. Let me tell you, I understand the outrage and the anger at white America, at Europeans. You know, I know a lot of us say that we were here before the Mayflower, and I understand that. I understand that some of us didn't come through the Mahapa, the transatlantic slave trade. Cool. But even if you didn't, the racism and discrimination based on your skin complexion is very real. So I felt their pain in that. But what I found lacking in their theory was just, I thought, you know, was, you know, that narrow nationalist to kill white. Okay, and then what at that point? We're not dealing with neo-colonialist mentality. You're not dealing with that if you kill, we look at Algiers, in the Battle of Algiers, when the Algerians ran France up out of Algiers, and then they begin to run their own government. They had what was called a neo-colonialist mentality, read France from the own wretched of the earth. He talks about that. And he talks about, and one of the Algerians said that when they put their own people in power, they were worse than the damn French. And that's how a lot of us would be. You put some of these niggas in power, we'd be begging for crackers to come back and, and take leadership again. Because <laughs> some of these Negroes who have this neo-colonialist mentality have no tolerance. We have been saturated in steep in hatred for one another, hatred of anything that is of African origin or reflective of African people of African ancestry, and we will become more oppressive than our oppressor. So to looking at a revolution-based taste, the melon or the lack of melon of a people I found was very unrealistic. I found that a lot of times that it was given to rhetoric, sensationalism, playing on the emotions of the people, playing on the suffering and the pain that we shared collectively historically. That's what I found that to be. So this is the dual danger of that. So this is what the topic is about today, and I'm asking the listening audience out there, what do you think about it? What are some of the solutions? What are some of the dangers for Marxist Leninism and neo narrow nationalists in the African liberation struggle? What is a middle ground? I personally think that a thorough analysis of our struggle should take place and that we have to come up with a form of socialism, you know, in my political understanding, the leanings are socialist that we have to come up with a form of socialism, which is the socializing of us as a people that is conducive and productive to us as a people, that we not only have to work nationally to achieve this, but then we must work be of Pan-African, some Pan-African leanings. We must um, identify and relate to people of African ancestry globally. And then once we do that, also be internationalist in our revolutionary understanding and ally ourselves with people who are fighting oppression, 
So what's the middle ground for that? I'm going to open up my phone line so we can go. And I believe this is our Chairman 619-0614. I believe this is Chairman Trinnell. Yes, sir. How you doing, Chairman? I'm good, can brother. All Chairman? power to the people. Yes, sir. I can All hear power you. to the people. Uh, as usual, you got got some powerful uh, uh, topics going on here, uh, very timely. Uh, we uh, are at that stage right now where we uh, have to decide whether we are operating on on on, uh, on the theorist position or a factual position. You know, the, the statement about orthodox Marxism and the class struggle, uh, even though they attempted to uh, crack open the egg so they could understand the contents inside, uh, more power to them. You know, uh, the only thing uh, uh, in, in, in our struggle and how we relate our struggle to, uh, to the definition of struggle, especially versus Marxism and Leninism and uh, Maoism, uh, is that uh, we're, we're dealing with uh, uh, a different system, uh, the system that Marx and Lenin operated under, different from the system that Mao Zedong operated under, which is different from the system that uh, we operate under today. The good thing about how we operate based upon how the other two, two national struggles operated under is that we're dealing uh, uh, purely with an uh, 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 imperial capitalist system uh, that was developed and uh, 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 grew based upon uh, uh, the production of, of labor the production of labor was slave labor. And so it's a little different than what Marx is talking about. And Marx is talking about the working class, even though Marx did not come from a working class. You know, Karl Marx came from a middle class. His family did quite well uh, while he was growing up uh, before uh, a friend of him got killed. And then he began to question his uh, his understanding of the current affairs uh, in his country, and they start organizing and and uh, 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 proceeded from there. Uh, he was not a lump of proletariat. He was not from the uh, from the lower class, or he wasn't from uh, the working class. He was from the uh, the middle class. So that's one distinction. His education uh, was an education that was being uh, uh, transformed at the time. Uh, there were thinkers before him that started breaking down the way they thought individuals should view the system that they were living under, and, uh, and they started coming up with these theories. Uh, it worked for them, but it won't work for us. Um, but there's a lot of information in his struggle uh, that uh, uh, we use today uh, uh, to put more meat on the bone of what it is that we were developing along with the, the Mao Zedong and Che Guevara and uh, 
other freedom fighters around the world. We put all their flesh together uh, to create our own black power movement for um, for inclusion into this decadent society. Uh, the issue of, of race, class, and gender is is one that really separates us from the Marxist-Leninist position. Uh, and just as a footnote, um, China is finally trying to incorporate uh, uh, two of those different ideas about race and, uh, and gender, uh, which is my hat is off to um, uh, the head of China for realizing that in order for them to become um, uh, a, great, a great economic power, like it's foreseen that they will be, that they realize that in order to keep their country unified and and uh, and cohesive, they have to address how they treat uh, race of people, and they have to address how they treat the gender issue. So, uh, having said that, coming back to our situation, uh, it's it's a whole new different ball game. Uh, we uh, were uh, uh, have been uh, um, attempted to be united uh, in a lot of various ways. Uh, the history of Marcus Garvey proved that back in 1916, 1917, and uh, a lot of the, the social thinkers, uh, black social thinkers at that time, began to develop. Uh, uh, off what Marcus Garvey had created, having listened to Frederick Douglass and others. So those three issues of race, class, and gender were the three issues that, that Marcus really pushed forward. Uh, he had a large contingent of how our women were included in our struggle. He had a large contingent in recruiting the intellectuals and, and the academic academians. Uh, uh, in the fusion into the poor people uh, of, of our race. Uh, so he touched base on all those three issues. From him, as we know, uh, Malcolm X's father was a, a, a Garveyite, and uh, he uh, uh, worked real closely, him and his wife, Malcolm's mom and dad, with uh, the Garvey movement, and uh, um, for those that's not that familiar with the history, you can pick up where Malcolm started, and, and, and where Malcolm started is where Malcolm's dad left off. Uh, of course, the last name is Little. So we begin to see a transformation and a progression of ideas based upon factual situations that relate to our struggle here in the United States. So very good topic. I can't wait to hear what your listeners have to say about it, and I want to thank you so much for inviting me, Chairman. Uh, thank you, um, Chairman, for coming on, man. Your input, your experience, and uh, your insight on, on on these subjects are invaluable. I'm going to keep going to the phone lines. Um, and there again, you're listening to the People's Black Panther Party, Independent Black Talk Radio. We're talking about the dangers of Marxism and, and neuro-nationalism in the African liberation struggle. We like to, to know what you think about it. 
um, you know, what solutions, what has, you know, how have we, because like in my, and I'm, I see you um, call, I'm going to come to you. One of my questions is, why haven't we, what have happened to our tacticians and our strategists, uh, um, our, um, our analytical thinkers, our philosophers, our revolutionary philosophers, and coming up with um, something is relevant to this day and time. I mean, like I said, you know, after going to that college campus and hearing the various ethnicities, you know, talk about their countries, the struggles in their countries, solutions that they have for the struggles in their countries, that you could tell, I mean, you know, listening to them, you could, I could tell that the basis of their thesis was a lot of, you know, I heard a lot of Lenin, I heard a lot of Trotsky, I heard some Ho Chi Minh, I heard, you know, a lot of the Fidel um, and things that even from some of the African ones, I would hear a little Kwame Nkrumah say Kulture, this type of thing. But from more of my brothers and sisters here in America, I was hearing it seemed that I was hearing just a lot of mimicry, a lot of just regurgitating information. And if, if any of it was relevant, I struggled to really grasp the relevance of what they were saying from the leftists, the, the black leftists, the African leftists, and the um, narrow nationalists that was there. Let's go to our phone lines. Area code 216-5363. Your mic is open. Black Power. Black Power. How is the family doing? We good. It's Chairman Carr. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. We man, good. Uh, it was some good information, and uh, the brother gave gave the information, and that we have to worry about uh, ideology imperialism, and the simple meaning that Marxism have a way of coming in the community to try to dominate our ideology in terms of as African people and our liberation, and it was part of that, as the brother said, uh, with the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. Uh, and they came down to deal with other movements when we talk about dealing with the liberation movement of African people. Uh, China and Cuba and other uh, uh, nation of color show how they can take something out of that and deal with it and based upon a culture of the people. And when you look at China, the government will say, well, China is communism. But when you look at Russia, it, it ain't no simulation. When they say Cuba is communist, you look at Russia, ain't no simulation culture of the people. And they deal with the history of the people. And so uh, communists do not have a place in that. In America, they came and tried to hijack. And they're doing the same thing now with uh, Ophir Winfrey. You know, they love to play the Negroes uh, in their own uh, political game. Let me say this, and they're going to leave line open. Malcolm's father was one of Marcus Messiah Garvey's greatest minister, and that's why they killed him. And they call him the Black Knights, special hitman and separate him, put his mother in the foster home, and separate them. But because he had that teaching already embedded in him, like we're doing today, if we don't drop the seed, you surely ain't going to get no fruit. And so going to prison, sitting in prison, after he deviated and became a hospital, all that seed that his father 
and his mother dropped in him, developed, and he became a strong leader in the nation. But it was already planted, and it took the nation to bring it out. Malcolm Sai Garvey, the name of the organization was the Universal Negro Improvement Association, the African Community League. Let me break that down. Universal Negro Improvement. What is an improved Negro, an African, that going to take the lead? And that was the organization. The UNIA, the ACL. We talk about the UNIA. We want to talk about ACL. And that was the business part of the Universal Negro Improvement Association. That was the school. That was the Black Cross nurses. That was the ship. And that was our great African legion. And also the African Air Corps. Yeah, we had pilots too. And so when they looked at Honorable Marcus McGuire, uh, Honorable Marcus McGuire, the communists and the Zionists who infiltrated the communist movement say the Negro got to go. So when they framed him on embezzlement charges, but prior to that, he was shot in his office by a Negro. So I'm saying that everybody that wear their skin color does not deal with the ideology. The ideology means an ideal. If your ideal ain't about the liberation, your ideology ain't no use. You just got an ideal of being a fool. And so when we say proper ideology, then we're talking about proper liberation. We got to look at Queen Mother Moore in the 1960s, Carmen Torre, Adam Clayton Powell, Robert Williams, Fannie Lou Hammond, and these were brothers and sisters who withstood the communist movement during that time and still built a movement, but because we don't have that history, now we're seeing a new fluff of socialism uh, moving in, and they're coming in and organizing because many of our black folks still believe, and I say this, believe that black folks can't lead ourselves we got to have white folks black power black power i absolutely power. agree with that and 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 the you know and we touch on that and that's one of the things where you were talking about um oprah winfrey and this is the importance of knowing revolutionary politics and when we're talking about narrow nationalism that we and you've heard me say it listeners time and time again all my skin folk ain't my kin folk ideology <laughs> and philosophy is very important because they will parade a black man or a black woman in front of you and we will get caught up in the emotionalism, we'll get caught up in the hype and not really listen to the views that they espouse, <clears throat> to really, you know, their take. Are they the bourgeoisie? Have they, you know, been into the um, the way the status quo, the way things are run? You know, when neocolonialism is, I tell people it's black faces in white places. You know, so our fight isn't the European people, but is it against a system of oppression, a system of exploitation, a system that has promoted genocide amongst minority people and that still promote and um, legalize, has, has, has legalized slavery and capitalizes on that. Also, one of the things that I see that I think that really when evaluating a revolutionary struggle that we've left off. And I like what Chairman Trinnell said, that China is now embracing and incorporating the race and gender into the struggle, into the revolutionary understanding and concept, is that we have left off um, gender. And by our not really addressing the gender struggle, the oppression of gender, the oppression of women, you know, and the exploitation of women, that we've allowed a new movement 
mm-hmm. to come out and to take our women mm-hmm. and to separate our women from the struggle for African liberation over here or liberation of oppressed African people here in America. Mm-hmm. They have they don't see it tied to one and the same. And our struggle encompasses and should incorporate all of these things, class, race, and gender. You know, my question to the listening audience, and I have the two chairmen on the line, our elders on the line, is what do you think has happened from the time of the 60s and 70s to now to where we have this void, where we have this um, reemergence of a real leftist, a European leftist understanding creeping into our movement, uh, how neo, uh, neo-narrowist nationalism, neo-narrow nationalism has crept up and begun, began to vanguard or been the face of the African liberation struggle. That is uh, something that you mentioned earlier, the prison industrial complex. And then uh, just uh, count how many of our comrades is in prison now, how many of our leaders uh, that is in prison, how many of our leaders have been murdered and shot down, and how many of our leaders have uh, 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 passed away or old age uh, uh, being frustrated. All this is systematic set up, and it ain't no, it's, uh, it's not no coincidence because he has used it before. And what is happening is what we see with the women's liberation movement is not the same as in the 60s. The women's liberation movement in the 60s was a revolutionary movement that enhanced the man, the woman, and the children. And when they brought it on, sexual harassment and all of this brought out the woman. But, man, you couldn't be no more sexually harassed than a black woman on the plantation. That's where the term motherfucker came from. And so I'm saying what is happening because his own house and he done let his own immoral uh, 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 being coming out the woman is now turning on on him and building, but she can't build it without our support because we're the most oppressed. So all I'm saying is that we have to be careful because, believe me, she's still the wife of him and still gives uh, birth to his babies. So we don't need to go from the from the father, okay, to the mother, from the husband to the wife. We have to become independent, and we have to let our sisters know, be careful. And the same way we tell the brothers with that neocolonialism, be careful that we not be used. Right on. Chairman Chanel, did you want to add to that? You know what? I I love coming on your show because, uh, you know, like my daddy used to say, and it's a funny thing that a lot of things that, my dad used to say, I kind of, like, didn't want to hear it, you know, until he passed away. And when he passed away, I hear him all the time now. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's such a blessing to hear uh, you and other chairmen speak because it gives me an opportunity to learn something new every day. And that's what it's all about. Uh, I know a lot of... Uh, uh, our younger generation is a little uh, reluctant to engage in political discourse with us because a lot of the institutions that they've committed to and a lot of the uh, uh, extra 
extracurricular activities that they committed to was devoid of uh, black history. Uh, so they were more concerned about how the activities within this decadent society operated and how they could profit or prosper from what this society had to offer them, which was um, in complete divergence from what it is that black history was offering them. We don't know, and I'm speaking to the younger generation, not all of them, some of them, it's, it's an immense pleasure to sit down and listen to them tell me what they understand and how they take what we did and how they transform it to a higher level than what we had. That's what the struggle is all about. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, to be privileged to listen to uh, these young brothers and sisters. Um, it, the thing that the chairman had, had mentioned is uh, one of the things that is required in political education is that we take the history of the past related to the conditions of the present That's right. and uh, plot and plan our way for the future. Uh, nobody knows uh, this evil more than we do. We mm. have suffered under it. We have watched it 24-7. Uh, we, know, we know how, to, how his heart beats. You know, um, we know more about him than he knows about himself. Come on uh, now. We, Raise his children. Uh, we taught his children. Uh, we fed his children. We That's healed right. his children. You know, and all the things that they've done to create this society uh, has been uh, been done and able to be done because of the influence that we've uh, infused. Uh, within their uh, within their evil. Um, now, I am still optimistic, and uh, this is why uh, my oath to the people is more important today than yesterday. Is because the need to point out where the quicksand is is ever more evident. Is ever more important today uh, uh, than it was uh, the day before. What the chairman said about uh, the Honorable Marcus Garvey, people need to wonder what is his influence. You know, how did he influence Malcolm's mom and dad? You know, and how did Malcolm's mom and dad influence him? What is the relationship between the other black leaders during that time relative to the information and, uh, and uh, encouragement that was given by Marcus Garvey? The other part of this story is who benefited in, uh, in the black community from all these activities and all these struggles that those that came before us, uh, and literally, if you understand the history, almost to a man, gave their life. There's very few 
black leaders that have lived their life out naturally. They were mm-hmm. either destroyed financially, <clears throat> destroyed spiritually, or, or outright killed physically. And there's a reason for that. When Marcus came on the scene, he was uh, drew so much attention that uh, the United States government uh, recruited a young man who sold mission. He only had one job, this guy that the government ordained and created, and that was to learn everything he could about this Marcus Garvey unification thing and to destroy him. Mm-hmm. And that guy's name was J. Edgar Hoover. Mm-hmm. J. Edgar Hoover's first case was Marcus Garvey. That's right. Now, if you really want to understand where you are today relative to the information because of the Freedom of Information Act is being revealed today, then you need to understand, like the brother said earlier, about what seeds were planted and who planted those seeds and what kind of crop came up as a result of those seeds. Now, this COINTEL Pro program, you know, was the brainchild of Diego Hoover. Where did he learn all this stuff from? You know, he learned it from his dealings with Marcus Garvey. The other important factor in this and understanding yeah. the difference between Marxism and Leninist is that when Marcus came on the scene, he was dealing with all the levels, like the brother chairman said, to imagine. They have all those sisters out there dedicating what time they could besides raising their family, giving all their energies and whatnot to the Marcus plan. It was huge, if you go back and look at the films. It was huge what they were doing. Talking about say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. That didn't start back in the 60s. That started back in 1916, 17, 18. That's right. A long, long time ago. Come on. Get it straight. Quit tripping. You didn't just come on the scene. You didn't just fall and knock your head and a light bulb came on. It was always there. You didn't know where the switch was. You know? So listen. It is so important as we move into these next millennium that you understand that sooner or later a light bulb is going to come on in your head. And it's happening now, and we just hope and pray that as you listen to these programs that you have the courage to ask some of these chairmen and ask some of these legacy members who remember to tell you what it is that you don't know because the books were written off what we did, and the books were written off what those who came before us did. All these programs and plans, you know, from the land, from the air, from the water, you know, from socialism, you know, from civic duties, you know, from political education, from economic domination and manipulation, came from the fact that every time we make a move, they make a move. 
They're always trying to stay a step ahead of us. And right now, excuse the phrase, no pun intended, but believe it or not, it's a Mexican standoff. If it wasn't a Mexican standoff, they wouldn't be so nervous as they are right now. They know who I am. They know where I live. They know my deficiencies. They know my strengths. You know, it ain't a situation where they don't know who you are and they don't know what you're doing. Don't get it twisted. They listening to this program too. They yes, taking sir. notes, you know. So if you want to be real about this, you know, if you want to try to understand, you know, what it is between theory and fact and all this other stuff, you know, then you need to step up to the microphone. You need to step up to the plate, quit sitting in the back of the classroom, come up to the front row and ask the question. You'll be amazed. My chief don't like me to say this, and uh, I'm going to say it anyway. He's probably listening. He say, Chairman, I told you don't say that. But we know where the bodies are buried, you know. We know where the bodies are buried. Trust me. You know, don't let nobody trick you and think we don't know what happened, you know, and we know what's going to happen. You know, we're here to stay. We're going to make this a better way and a better day. But, yeah, right on. Let me let me say this, and I agree wholeheartedly. I like what he said. I like what you said, brother chairman. Listen, if you're listening in, there's no the only silly question is the question I'd ask. If you want to know about Marxist, Leninism, nationalism, what we're talking about, the words we're using, then push one ask. There's no question that is uh, beneath us that we won't try to answer. We want to be on because our whole goal of the show is to impart revolutionary political understanding to um, really to start putting some things to spark debate and to spark thoughts, you know, um, based on, and we use these words because this is international revolutionary language. We understand that in order for our revolution to be successful, it must transform into a global economic, political, social, and psychological um, force, you know, of revolution. We, we have to unite worldwide. I wanted to ask this, and I see you call on the line, and I'm going to come to you. Um is uh, uh, first I want to make a statement, and I like how we're talking about the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. I think, you know, one of the things that always is uh, funny to me, for lack of better words, and not funny ha-ha, but kind of funny in a cynical way, is how these African nations, and even the Vietnamese, even Ho Chi Minh, who came and studied the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey and, you know, took some of those philosophies and ideologies, from the Honorable That's Marcus Messiah right. Garvey on liberation. We look at the mm-hmm. African, a lot of the African flags incorporate the very colors that the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey had given us. When we look mm-hmm. at one of my, you know, my last name being Nkrumah, and whom mm-hmm. uh, I've taken that, ado- adopted that from um, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah of uh, Ghana. Yeah, Ghana, when you look at their flag, they have the black star. It's no coincidence. Mm-hmm. It's not happenstance that they have a black star in whom he says, one of his greatest teachers were the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. So it's always mm-hmm. amazing to see how other people come and take from, you know, um, people that directly affected us. You know, they come and study their literature, come and see the effects that these people had on um, especially the African here in America and take that back to their countries and build movements on that and gain liberation from that and use it as motivation and inspiration and that, we somehow just still look at it as like a history lesson and don't use it to motivate us, to galvanize us, 
into some real action. One of the questions, though, I had, since we're talking about gender oppression and we're talking about this new movement uh, of, of women of all ethnicities, but I particularly want to know how, you know, black women feel about it. And I believe that we have the queen on the line, so I'm hoping she pushes one and comes in and represents for the sisters and let us get a feminine voice on this. But I'm going to go to my um, caller, so I don't want you, Chairman, to answer this, but I'm going to throw this question out there. How is us as revolutionaries, how should we relate to this new movement of women that are coming and starting out addressing the sexism and the exploitation of women nationally, how should we relate to that, and should we incorporate it into our struggle? And if so, how do we do that? Ponder on that question, and I'm going to go to our phone lines, area code 470-1444. Your mic is open. Power to the people. What's going on? Power to the people, nephew. Chairman Hakeem, what's good, man? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, man. I'm listening up, man. This is a good one, man. It's full of it. You know what I'm saying? Yes, uh, yes sir. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to drop oh, a input on something uh, Chairman Tremell has said, you know. Uh, you, know as, you know, as far as the youth, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot that they, that, 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 that they do not know. It's a lot that they don't know, never been exposed to. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna take it back. Uh, I I went on a high speed chase at 14 years old. It was only one way for me to get back to the street. Yeah. I had to read Michael Mack's autobiography. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These, these, yeah. These, these these are things not even close. You know what I'm saying? Not even close. You know, not just you know, not just my age, but all the way on up to like thirty. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot. It's 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 a gap. It's a it's a gap. It's a it's a gap right there. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to put a label on the on the gap, but it's a lack of. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's a lack mm-hmm. of exposure, and the game is there. I've been around some real old school players. There's no difference from 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 this game. Uh, 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 to that one, it's the same world we're living in, but it's just a gap. It's a communication gap. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 yeah. and, and, it, and it's not it's not trickling down because these folks they don't know. They don't know if they, if they know that you can tell how they walk, how they carry themselves. They don't know. You know what I'm saying? So 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 you know so so another. Uh, Another another question on top of a question, you know, how do we, you know, how, how how do we put some cement in that? How do we fill that hole, that gap? Because you know what I'm saying, we're gonna need the whole body to move forward. You know what I'm saying? Because these these they they have no 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 political knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 of of no history at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At all. Well, no at all. Like yeah. zero. It's a blank slate. Yeah. Well, I remember. I remember the high speed chase, and I remember the punishment of you reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. Because I believe I gave it to you. Um, you know, one of the things though, when we talk about empowering our young people, one of the things that we have out of my, you know, my New Jersey chapter is is bad about, and I love it is they have the LYM program, the Liberating Young Mind program. And that's what and we adapted that, and we took that from, you know, the Liberation School. 
from the original Panthers. We understood that, and we moved it to Saturday. And let me tell you why. one of the reasons we did that. First of all, we, we're realistic in our program. We know that trying to compete against the state educational institutions is not realistic with just the manpower and the resources we have. So we moved the program to Saturdays, you know, as not to compete with them, but to try to offset what the children are learning throughout the um, throughout the weekdays. Also, taking the social cultural climate in our communities, our communities being communities of poverty, we know that when school isn't in, a lot of our children are only eating one time a day on weekends. If they're not getting free lunch and free breakfast at school on the weekends, a lot of our young people are not eating. Realistic, real talk, real talk. Yeah, so we like, said, you know, like let's move our pro- yeah, let's move our programs to Saturday. That way we can also ensure, you know, it also ensures that the children are at least getting two meals that day. Let's feed them a hearty lunch and do that. And then what we do is we go over black history issues, we go over political issues, and we do it at an elementary level, at a basic rudimentary level, very, very basic. And it's not just for the children. What you will find is when you encourage the parents to participate and encourage the parents to volunteer, you would be surprised how many adults are learning with the young people. So I think that real programs, I think that when I look on the Facebook, and this is not a knock at any people that are doing any parties that are doing the programs, more power to you. But I remember what Chief said. He said, listen, there's a difference between a program and a project, you know, this is what Chief told me. Right. He said, you know, a yeah. project is something that you put together. You might feed the homeless. You might have feed the homeless project. But a program is just that. It is about programming the thinking mm-hmm. and programming um, the the behavior of a people that have been conditioned to behave in ways that are contrary to their very survival. So in our programs, along with feeding, we are politically educated. We are socially trying to modify behaviors that we have been conditioned to that are destructive to us as a people. So I would say that, you know, for the parties, put together modest little programs and something as simple as a liberation school. And you'd be surprised how many parents would be glad to really, and I hate to say this, but we're all family on here, let's be blunt, would love to really be able to have somewhere safe and secure they can drop their children off on Saturdays so they can go shopping, grocery store, whatever they need to do Without having children, and it's a, it's a need for that. It's a need for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's not knocking anybody out there. I know it's a lot of people, you know, helping the community and educating, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, as a whole, you know what I'm saying? You know, a, a, you know, as a, as a whole, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that's got to be number That's got to be something real close to number one on the list. You know what I'm saying? Most definitely. Yeah, programs. Right, absolutely. Getting those programs. Let's evolve them. Let's let our projects evolve into programs. It's not just enough to feed the homeless. You know, we just don't want to have our people just getting in line, getting a plate because we serve on Wednesdays, and then they go to the church and get one on Thursdays, and then they go to, you know, wherever and get one on Fridays. Yeah. It's just, you know, they just yeah. know who's feeding. We want them, when they come to our programs, when we do implement the programs, and especially with the Liberating Young Mind programs, we are just, we are trying to do that. We are trying to be effective 
and to make a change in, you know, in their life and in their thinking, then therefore we pray what our prayers and our hopes are and our aspirations are is that it will begin to change their very actions and the outlook, you know, it will change them culturally, how they, how they begin to look at themselves different. And you will be, and you will start to see that reflected in their behavior towards people who resemble them and look like them and their community and things of that nature. We, we, you know, we try to empower. So that's the, that's the whole thing with that. Um, and, and, and like I said, there again, you're listening to Independence Talk Radio, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. we got Chairman Trinell on, Chairman Kahar, National Director of the Panther Education Committee, um, Chairman Hakeem from Behind Enemy Lines. I'm always glad when he can call in and contribute. And we're looking for, you know, your questions or comments. Also, the question is still out there, and I'm hoping – and I'm hoping that, you know, um, our chairperson, uh, Queen, clicks in on the gender oppression and the rise and emergence of new women's movement. How do we as African revolutionaries or revolutionaries of oppressed people here in America relate to that, deal with that, and do we incorporate it in our struggle? And if we do, how do we incorporate that into our struggle? The floor is open for any of you gentlemen on the line now Your mics are, uh, who mics are open. Chairman Trinell, yeah, did you want to, you know, answer that, tackle that that question? Well, uh, as far as the women go, man, you know, you know, I, I, I don't I don't drive into this swerve, you know what I'm saying? You know, I let them run the show, man, you know, so we most definitely got to get them more involved with everything, you know what I'm saying? Because you, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what a woman knows, you know what I'm saying? You'd be surprised. Ain't had the time to figure it out or anything. You know what I'm saying? So uh, 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 using our ears uh, 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 for sure, using our ears for sure, uh, uh, you know, I'll put that out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, but is this another case of like what Chairman Kahar was talking about when we had the, you know, emergence of the feminine movement, us going from the father to the mother? Is this beneficial to us as oppressed people? You know, or is this divisive? Does this pull our powers again? You know what I'm saying? Does this, you know, this when I mean pull our powers, does this separate us, our men from our women? You know, um, is it? Have we failed in addressing gender oppression and gender? Yeah, we have. We have. We yeah. have failed. We have failed. Uh, we know we failed. I mean to even contemplate the fact that uh, you did everything right means you did everything wrong. Ain't no saints here. Ain't nobody above reproach. You know, we all have uh, not done uh, enough at one time or the other. And to think that uh, we can survive and, uh, uh, be victorious in this struggle without the the input and influence of the black women is ludicrous. You know, it's not going to happen. It can't happen. How can you be whole when you leave out your other half? That's right. I mean, I don't even know where this word, you know, what word this kind of thinking even comes in. No man's uh, yeah. an island unto himself. 
the struggle that a man is in is not a complete struggle without his woman, black or white. It is a cohesive movement. It is a cohesive unit. And to think otherwise is ludicrous. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for the black women, we wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. And it wasn't for the black woman. When they talk about the night has a thousand eyes, I learned that from my grandmother, transmitted it to my mom, who transmitted it to her kids. So when I went out there in this dangerous world, well, the government was trying to kill me. I realized, in fact, that the night that I need to pay attention to the wisdom that was imparted to me a while ago. That wisdom would provide me with some sort of sense of survival in a critical situation. And all those things have become incorporated into the struggle of the membership and incorporated into the struggle of the vanguard. That's how we survived so far, not purely on the wisdom of the men, but on the influence and the input of the woman. You know, as far as them being part of the movement, there cannot be a movement without their involvement. You know, the sisters that are in Black Lives Matter, their parents were Panthers, and they took the wisdom that their parents provided them with and the work that their parents did, and they created Black Lives Matter. As far as the struggle for women equality, we need to do better. We need to give our women more recognition and more respect. And I know it's a two-way street. Don't get me wrong. I understand that in order for this to work, it has to be a meeting of the mind where both sides got to realize the mistakes they made and eliminate those mistakes on a daily basis so they can become stronger, like exercise. The more you do, the stronger you get. You know, in in a male-dominated society, one of the things that the government instituted to drive this wedge, create this disconnect, was a couple of government separated us from our unit. They separated us from our children, from our mother, from our our girlfriends, you know, from our wives. They separated us in a lot of different ways. I'm not going to go into all the ways they did it because, Chairman, you had already talked about it, and the other chairman had already talked about it earlier, about how they had all these different methods and techniques of dividing us, creating uh, chaos and confusion. But one of the main ways that they did it is they incarcerated us. They took us away from our from our women, and they put us in prisons. Another way that they created this division is by the distribution of wealth. They took away the distribution of wealth so that now our women had to find some kind of way to support themselves. And then they bring in these social programs will require all this documentation and information so they even knew more about the unit. Because in order for them to get some kind of help, whether it was help to go to school, whether it's help to get another occupation, or whether it's help to pay the gas and the light, required 
that they sit down and reveal their innermost things that what's going on. Is there a man in the house? Do you have a boyfriend? Where's the daddy at? We'll attach his wages. They use all kinds of techniques and whatnot to create this division on on another level. So when we talk about these things about our women and we talk about uh, can they be effective, you know, we have to understand that they have always been effective. If they were not effective, we wouldn't be here today in the first place anyway, you know. So we have to be gentle about this. We have to be loving about this. And we have to realize that in order for us to, to be victorious in the future, and we will, that we have to make sure that she is on our hip, that she's right there with us. Because a lot of times, us men, when we're sleeping at night, the women are up looking over us. We may not believe that. We may not know that. But trust me, it's their nature. I'm talking about the women that got their hair screwed on right. Because there's a lot of them that's out right. there, man, that's crazy, that's right. crazy in the Betsy that's, that's right. You got to say that. There's a lot of them out there. Wake up with some of these women. Wake up with some of these women standing over you watching in the middle of the night. You watch out. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brother Chairman. Throw that joke in there. I mean, I'm keeping it 100, you know. There's a lot of them out there that got mental illness. There's a lot of them out there that, that don't know. There's a lot of them out there that never been educated properly. You know, there's a lot of them out there that don't know what a relationship really is and what it means and what lengths you go to to maintain that relationship. There's a lot of them out there that's crazy in a fucking Betsy bug, you know. And I'm not just getting on the women because we certainly is part of the problem also. But I'm just keeping it 100, you know. So don't think because the chairman's sitting up here saying all these things about what the black man should do that you are excluded. You are included. There are things that That's you right. need to stop doing. There are things that you need to do. You need to quit running around here doing all that old crazy stupid shit that you be doing because you all that in a bag of chips, you know, because you ain't. You know, we love you to death in a good day and a bad day. That ought to tell you something, you know. And even when we go back to you and the arguments start all over again and the fighting start over again, but some kind of way we still kind of like orbit back and vice versa. So you got to think. You got to get in a corner by yourself and think about your history and think about where you came from and think about all those women that have given up their lives. And I say lives. I mean lives. Given up what they believe and how they operate and what lengths they're willing to go through, go through because of what they believe and how they think they can make a better life by maintaining the struggle, by demanding equality, by demanding a, a, a fair share and all these other things, you know? <laughs> so again, I would really love to hear uh, what your listeners are uh, as they're listening what they got to say because that makes the difference, you know. Right on. I can sit there and let us chairmen talk all day long, all night long <laughs> because we've been there, done that, you know. But right. it's important for us to hear from those who's sitting back there listening. Well, let's go to it. Let's. That's a good idea. That's a good segue to go to our phone lines, and we're talking about you know dangers of Marxism, neo-nationalism, and African liberation. I pose a question out there to do we embrace. The um, you know we know about gender exploitation and oppression. We know about our women being boo booed on and and everything else. Um, how do we embrace this uprising? This 
emergence of a women's movement? How do we embrace it? How do we incorporate it? Or is it a danger from separating us? I wanted to go to, I'm glad to see that the queen came in, the chairperson of the Black Panther Party, Queens, um, also the general of the Black Panther Party, Black Guard, uh, Sister Queen Williams. Um, Maga, Ubuntu. Queen Maga, Ubuntu. Your mic is open. All power to the people. All power to the people. Uh, first, I'd like to greet the elders with respect and love and light. Um, I love my elders um, because my father was one of their comrades. Um, it's, it's been a job. I'm going to start by telling you exactly how I ended up founding the Black Panther because, well, not just because my father was an original Panther, but because the fact I was I was asked to be president over a party before, and it was consistent of males and females joined together. And there was a lot of um, things going on within that group that really didn't line up with what how I was raised. You know, when you come up under a panther, it's like they go through a lot, and, and it tends to fall off on their children and so forth. So I was raised a specific way. You know, a lot of people that support me, it's the information and, and ways they're getting is actually given to me from a male. But um, when I did what I did with them and I had to walk away because, first of all, they weren't on the 10-point platform. They, you know, they didn't have no ideology. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it, you know, and they had their opinions, but, you know, that's a difference, you know. It, it was a big difference going on, and it was like a lot of the females were under attack. Not me. I, you know, kind of went with my instinct and kind of got out the way. But when I did get out the way, um, because of who I am under my father, my name was being used, and these the females thought I was still there. Times that I take periods off and, you know, I had some other things to do, and I wouldn't get involved with a lot of things that they were doing. So the, the, they were given the impression that I was there. Well, once they realized that I wasn't, a lot of them approached me. And they was like, you should just go ahead and get something together where it's just the sisters because this is what's happening. You know, you had a brother meet up with a sister and was real aggressive sexually with her. You had um, a lot of sexual things taking place towards the sisters. And, you know, when they come with good intentions and want to meet up and get out there with boots on the ground, it's something totally different once they got there. So that's what kind of pushed me to go ahead and say, okay, well, let's do this. But, you know, as it went on, it's, it's been a couple of years now, and it's built more. Um, I've, had, I've talked to, you know, the different sisters, and many came and many went. You know, um, many weren't ready. Um, and I, I talked with them throughout the years, and, you know, I, I embraced, I, I pushed them to embrace their nurturing spirit. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's us by nature. You know, we 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 nurturing, you know, and I pushed them to do that more. But then as the time passed, I wanted them not to feel like they should be separating themselves from the kings, you know, everybody's not a king, just like everybody's not a queen. But I didn't want them to separate themselves. And so eventually, because where I'm the general over the black guards, the black guards are, are kings. And um, I'm watching now as I eased it in. I didn't just push things on people. I, I 
work with them and talk with them and hear how they thought and, you know, seeing what the issue is. And that's why I brought somebody in that, you know, has a degree in actually dealing with psychological issues because there is a lot of psychological damage taking place. And, you know, as we dealt with those issues and kind of got people past those uh, taboo-type feelings, you know, towards each other, which my mom always said that was done with welfare to break up the family. So it's been broke up for a while, you know what I'm saying, not just in the family aspect of it, but even as we move around out here in this movement, you know, we find that there's people, and I don't mean to jump all over the place, but we find that there's people that tend to bash us. Like we, we see posts going through, it let a brother be going through something with a sister and he he puts that on all women. You know, I talk to my sisters, like, if you're going through something personal, let your personal be your personal. You know, don't bring that to the people. You know, already damaged people. You know, if you want to talk to one of the sisters, find a sister that you, you feel comfortable with, observe her, you know, see that she's heading in the same direction you are, and, and, be, and befriend her. You know, call her and talk to her. And that's what they start doing. You know, most of the time, when we have our uh, conference calls, you know, our biggest issues within the Queens is that who loves who the most. You know, it's never been – it's been going really good. It's been something that came in, like the elder said, where, you know, their the head is not on straight, and they they don't see education as important. They don't see the political education as important. They just – want to get in uniforms, and some of them, you know, you, we can't blame it all on the brothers because some of them just want to get in the uniforms to be seen by the brothers. So I don't I don't even have my queens wear uniforms now. They have them, you know, but I don't have them wear uniforms now because, you know, the simple fact that most of them are trying to come in for that reason and that reason alone, and you'll find it out. You have some to come in, want you to pay their bills, pay they rent, and, you know, it, and I'm sure, you know, the brothers go through, they share things, but when it comes to the queens, I, I really work hard on their their nurturing spirit. I do and, and pushing kindness amongst our people, but our main focus is the youth, you know, the, the, uh, the children, you know, because a lot, mass majority of them, you know, you'll hear them wrestling with their children in the background, and that's what's important, you know, is is the children. So I do push that a lot, and I push the, you know, the youth aspect of it because the black guards, the ones that's coming in, are young. You know, my dad told me that um, the majority of the Panthers were young, but I see a lot of the problems, well, from my observation, a lot of the problems is coming from these old people. You know, the the older ones, it's like a lot of yeah. back and forth and tit and tat going on with the, the older ones. And that's why I have the unk, you know, I still have the cat there, but that's why, um, I, okay, that's why I have the unk there to represent life because we push that the, the important thing of all is life, you know. And, you know, that goes from our brothers being killed on these streets our sisters being killed now, you know, our children being killed. You know, the important things is life and coming together. We're tribal people, you know, and I, I think if we embrace that, that, you know, will will push away some of the the negative thoughts that the, the brothers might have towards the sisters and the sisters might have towards the brothers, and the right people will 
come in and line up and move forward. You know, we have to be heading in the same direction. If not, you know, you run into it where it's not that, you know, unfortunately. But, um, you know, you still have to press forward, and, and we do it with love. We do it with love because you have to have love in order to do this. You have to love your people. You know what I'm saying? You And that, that love starts with yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't say you love your people. You got to start with self. We start with self-love. And then we spread it out into the community, the love for our people. I love my people so much that, you know, well, the queens get on me a lot because I will be up all hours of the night reading and trying to figure out a, a way, you know, to do this with less of us dying, you know, because I know that's going to happen. There's going to be some bloodshed. You know what I'm saying? I, I push the queens in training, but I don't push them in the training area where we still don't need our brothers, you know what I'm saying? There are strengths. Right. Like, you know, you have the front line, you, you have the second line, you have the third line, and you have the fourth line. And, mm-hmm. you know, we everybody and, and everybody has their place, you know. So I, 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 we do work hand-in-hand, and that's the reason why, you know, I kind of push the black guard thing too. I, I know I put on many hats, but, you know, um, People are taking their positions. You know, I have a co-chair. You know, I have a chief mm-hmm. of staff and, and a queen captain. I have a king captain. You know, they, the king and the queen captain get along real well. So it's like it, it's all it's falling into place, and it's a nice ball, and, and we're rolling well, but it's still it's still more than just the love. We do need the political education. I hope a lot of them is on here right. like they I pushed them to be, to listen to the show, especially to hear the elders. You know, my elder is uh, Elder Birdsong out of Pittsburgh, and, you know, he, he stays on top of me. That's why I love the Panthers because I just don't see things. You know, I see a lot of the females, you know, not the queens that's in the queen chapter, but a lot of the females have gotten – which has been set up to be so lazy, you know, real lazy. So one of the things I want all this. Sorry, I'm sorry, because I want to commend you on one of the things that I do like about the Queens is that you didn't, you know, when we see the um, emergence of the black feminist movement coming up, that you didn't take it and just make it a black woman's thing. You know what I'm saying? That you still work in conjunction with the, you know, black males that is still geared towards the liberation of oppressed African people here in America where we find, and that was my whole thing, you know, is this, how do we embrace this new thing coming up? You know what I'm saying? And and so, but listen, Nikki, I'm going to keep your mic open because I want to come back to you, but I did have a caller that was has been on hold for a minute. And if you don't mind, I'd like to go to the caller and be able to get them in real quick. And I want you to... um. Definitely finish that thought. So I'm gonna leave your mic open. You heard me on Okay. Yes. Call at eight one seven 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 three two. I see you've been home for a minute. Thank you for being uh, patient. Your mic is open. True peace. True peace to the family. Black power. Um, I appreciate the invite. Um, I'm Ifanike Ogagun. Uh, I host a, a show in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, Roots and Reasons, out of the black bookstore, the Doc Bookshop. And um, I just commend you, um, brothers, for the platform and the topic for tonight because, you know, it, it's really important that we focus and we put some emphasis on 
the the female, you know, in uh, in general, and in, in the black female in particular. As I look at history, you know, and see exactly what happened to the black family as a whole when we look at slavery and how, you know, primarily when we go back to early um, 1600s, 1700s, the way they had the system set up was that, you know, there was really primarily one um, woman that was having babies because what they wanted was the strongest of the female and the strongest of the male. And so the mother ended up being what we know today as the big mama. And so big mama was pretty much everybody's mama, and big mama had to keep up this persona of um, of strength, and she had to, you know, keep this relationship with the slave master, so she really couldn't build a real intimate relationship with the children. You know, the children had to be looked at as workers, just as the slave master looked at the children. So that was the initial breakdown of um, a more intimate relationship with with the family life, you know, and so as a people, we have a strong magnetism to where when we separate ourselves, we always try to come back together in that connection. And yes, they set up a lot of different systems, like the welfare system, like the sister um, so eloquently spoke about, and how you know every time we try to find ourselves back together to build back up from the core, they find a way to break us down. And so it's so significant that we put emphasis on the female because we are the ones that give birth to the babies, and we, we have both men and women. We don't just have females. So the, the, the mother, the female, is going to set the moral standards of both men and women in the society. And so if we don't check that, then we continue to have this fluctuation of um, intimacy between us as a, as a people. And so, you know, I do, um, I orchestrated a sister circle of order where I um, speak to females who indeed want the information and want the knowledge and want to be, you know, um, I would say um, restored and rehabilitated in the society and just want to know who they are. I will say, you know, and it's going to sound kind of harsh, but the sister said it too, you know, some people are just going to have to fall by the wayside. You know, there's no Say you can't save everybody, and and especially when we look at the adults. And yes, the most emphasis does have to be put on the children. As an educator, it's really important that we catch the young children because they're our future, you know. And the future is important. I have um, two sons, you know, and so what? It's 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 um, imperative how I mother them and how I parent them, how I, the image that I set and the standard that I set as a woman to how they see women and how they know to approach women in the society because ultimately that's how we end up building a nation because my sons are going to marry and that's going to bring another family together, but then it still has to be a meeting of the minds. So it's important the woman that they choose because that's going to be 
that's going to be the starting of a new family, you know, and, and, but then there's two families coming together. And then ultimately, since I have two sons, I'm going to have three different families coming together. That's the, that's a nation right there. You know, that's inter-nation building from the, from the core, you know, um, um, to the surface. So I, I, I just appreciate the, the conversation. Um, definitely um, uh, much much respect and love to the elders who can who set this, you know, who set the standard of a knowledge of self, who set the standard of love and commitment to us as a race and, and, and to reconstruct and re and reestablish, you know, who we are from the inside out. And so, you know, I just I, I appreciate it. I thank you for, you know, the moment uh, to to give my input on what I see, you know, as far as us and and, and family and female and, and 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 you know, I just for me personally, I think we got to get to a point where because we're so infiltrated with Euro ideology. And so when we say certain things, automatically, you know, we we look at it from a Eurocentric perspective. So when we when we put emphasis on the female, we, we don't we, we we have that innate um thought of feminist and, and, and a feminist movement and so we try not to put those emphasis on because we don't want that to be the image that comes about, but we got to not, we, we, we got to be fearless when it comes to what is important to us and what, what we see, what we're going to be, what we're going to benefit. And so I don't think it's anything wrong with just putting a, as much emphasis as we can on the female, you know, because, we set the standard, even when we are dating, you know, as as high as your morals are and high as your standards are in what you want out of a man, trust me, he's going to get on board. And if he does, if he, if he's not, then we move forward, you know, and so it, we, it, it's time. It's time for this. I talk about this all the time. I talk about the fact that, you know, women – we 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 the ones that's having the children, and so we've always set the stage. We've always been the ones who are going to um, direct what goes on with the family, and so we got to put those emphasis on the females. We can't be scared to say, "Hey, we 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 stepping up for the sisters," and it ain't a feminist thing. It ain't none of that. It's an African thing. This is an African mentality, and the great mother is always, you know, at the core of moving and turning the, the, the society and moving and turning, like she said, with tribal, you know, but tribalism, you know, how does it operate? How, how does it really work? How does the machine work? And, we, and, and it just stands to reason for me that the female is the one, the great mother is the one who's going to set the tone and make sure everything is in the perspective. So when she's right, everything around her is right. And we can see right now, because the female is so out of order, that's why everything is out of order. The men are out of order. Our men are being pushed into a prison system, but that's because 
a lot of our females are not educated as a as a, a, a I have two brothers that that are incarcerated, but the primary reason why my brothers are incarcerated is because my mother wasn't educated enough, and I ain't talking about no just Eurocentric education. I'm talking about a thorough knowledge of self and a thorough knowledge of what is going on around her, and she didn't know, so she lost two of her sons to the system. So that's why it's important, you know, And, and like she said, yeah, a lot of older people that, you know, because they don't know and they don't want to see it because sometimes it's so easy to just ignore a problem than to try to figure out what it is and to become a problem solver. And so a lot of a lot of the women, you know, just we don't want to see it. I, I was actually having a conversation with my mother on Sunday, and my mother is only 51 years old. And so she was. She went on to say how, you know, she's tired of society making it a, a a color thing, and she's tired of every time she turns on the on the news or uh, is on social media that people are talking about this whole black power thing and white thing, and it's not about that. It's about a a right and wrong and an evil and a non-evil. And, you know, I just sat there and listened because I understand that, you know, everybody is not going to get it. That's just what it is. You know, Is uh, we've been so brainwashed. And a lot of us, That's even right. the young women, as young as myself, are just brainwashed, and they'll never get it. They'll never understand. So I just had to sit there and listen, and it's like, wow, you know, it's sad that, is is right there in your face, and you just you, you can't see it. You know they cannot mm-hmm. see it, but you know that it's a the the post has been going around about H and M and the little boy yeah. who posed in the, in the sweatshirt and um, the coolest monkey in the jungle. And you right. know I usually don't comment on social media or anything because I I, I just look it's redundant to comment now because, you know, people are just going to attack. And they, but I had to say something because That's right. the majority of us as a people buy into the Darwin's evolutionary theory, theory of evolution. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you go with Darwin's theory of evolution that this is how life started, but when you see something like that, then you're asking a question like, where's his mama? And how did his mama let this happen? Okay, if his mama thinks we evolved from monkeys, then what? So well, it's, I think it goes it's, back. it's I a like left in education, but not, exactly. you know, book education who we are as a people, what happened to us, and and since it's so easy to turn a blind eye and to just go along with society because when you know better, you have to do better. So a lot of people choose not to know because they don't want to have to be responsible. I think it it goes back to the, I like a point that you made, dear sister, which I thought was right on time, when it just goes back to, us not knowing and us thinking from a Eurocentric standpoint. You'll have a lot of people say, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. You guys are making a big deal, big issue out of it. But I want to say this, and first, definitely, and I thank you um, for that comment, that input, and I definitely feel you feel about the, like you said, the divine mothers, the EIME, man. I am a big, you know, when, when, when the EIME are right, when the mothers are right, all things are right because the life is in the IJ. The life is definitely in the blood. Um so we, you know, we we thank the mothers for that. We thank the divine feminine for that. But I wanted to say this and add to, and I see you calling. I'm coming to you next. 
is when we um, talk about, you know, and this is what it goes to when we say embracing that whole um, feminine movement, so to speak, and it shouldn't be a feminine movement if we have already incorporated in our struggle. We've been so divorced and we haven't looked at our struggle from the proper standpoint that we have allowed people to compartmentalize it. Our struggle is just not Mm -hmm. a political struggle. It's a social, cultural struggle. And part of that social culture Mm -hmm. is the understanding of the relationship between the man and the woman. I look at I tell you that it's not just, and I tell people, I say it's not just a white, white supremacy that we're fighting against, but it's white male supremacy. I think in one of my favorite conversations, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just about to say that, you know, that that was just pounding in my mind because when you realize that not only what we have, because, you know, our our issue and our experience with white supremacy has been a mere um, um, four or five hundred years in this country, in this country. I'm not saying globally in this country, but our fight with just being in a patriarchal system has been about 3,000 years, you know, where everybody has just been, their mind has been um, um, infiltrated with patriarchal, Mm -hmm. um, only Mm -hmm. God, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Judaism, whatever, because we know um, spirituality is going to be at the forefront of everybody's life. Exactly. And so since exactly. it's been dominated by a patriarchal, we can't be afraid to say, okay, hold on, wait a minute. It's time for a matriarchal because in the cycle of Libra, where, you, where you're trying to balance out the scales, in balancing out the scales, now you've got to add weight to that side of the scale that's been up in the air because there's so much weight on the other side. So once you start adding those blocks, to that other side, okay, you, it's going to be a little bit unbalanced and then it'll balance itself out to where it's an even, it's a dual society where it's the male right. and the female. That's so true. right now That's, we have to put those emphases and those quotation marks on female. We, and we have to. Listen, that's a whole, and you're giving me an idea. I, I do a show on Thursday. This might be the show on Thursday. I am personally inviting you to come on that show on Thursday. Well, let's talk about the divine feminine, the place and the role. Let's talk about the, the male and female relationship and interaction. And I agree with you in my studies. I wish I could go into so much more in my spiritual evolution and what I've been learning. And one of the things we can talk about is how us as African people really were a matrix focal society, that women were the focal point of our society. Listen, sister, I need to go to the, the, the phone lines. Man, I really enjoyed that let, comment. Let, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question real quick. What time is yes. your show on Thursday? Because I also have o'clock. a show on Thursday, but, you know, I'm Eastern oh, Standard Time. And mine is 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time from 7 to oh, 8. Seven. From seven to eight, that's perfect. I'll jump on your show. Then my show is from eight to ten Thursdays. So Brother, if you'll do that for me, I truly appreciate it. And you know what I've been uh, last week? I talked about the self hate that hate produced because mm. a lot of people really don't understand how much the Ethiopian race is hated. But they're seeing it now with this slave trade going on in Libya. But I wanted to put emphasis on the self-hate that hate produced. So I I do, I'm I'm building on that. And if you would come on to the show with me Thursday, we can bring in 
this conversation Absolutely. as well and, and, and to, yeah, you, you know, spin it on I, I how that hate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think you're in touch with my chief. Get that information to get that information to the chief, to my um to the chief okay. of staff. Get that information to him. We exchange that information. Make sure I get that. Listen, don't forget. I'm gonna put you on me call. I see you on the line, man. Thank you again for calling in. I am so looking forward True to that show on Thursday. True peace. I appreciate it. True peace. Definitely. True peace. Call us seven six two six six seven five. Your mic is open. Black Power, my brother. This brother Black Robert Power. calling from behind enemy lines with Black Power, brother. brother. What's good, comrade? What's going on, my brother? Um, I wanted to comment on um the question you asked pertaining to our, our women. And uh uh Sunday, this Sunday, I had caught the um the Panther Queens show. Sunday it started at seven and you know, uh, they was having some issues with, with, with their mic and their station, but they got it together, and and uh, they had a beautiful show, and, and, and those are some strong sisters. And and it it, it, it felt good in me to, to, to hear some sisters speaking like that because, I mean, they got they, they, they got their they stuff together. And, you know, I'm really not used to sisters like that, and to hear that just, 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 just brings me joy. But... You know, we 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 need to embrace and 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 uplift our women because we need our women because our women bear men and our women bear more sisters. You know, our women bear women as well, and we got to stop degrading them, man. We got to stop. We got to stop making them feel because see, you know, we put that mess in their mind that they're not gonna be this because they overweight or they're not gonna be this because they're not as pretty as the lady on TV or, or, or they can't do this. Nobody thinks that they're such and such, you know. So, you know, it's it's us men that 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 put this in these women and have these women fail and have these women sitting on their rears waiting to check the check, you know. Having these sisters just feeling like they worth ain't worth nothing, you know what I'm saying? Because of of, of some of the things that we project or some of the things that we say and 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 do and and, and then turn around and have the nerve to put our hands on them. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's to, to 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 kill that we have to we have to grab them and embrace them and let them know that they are who they are, which is our sister, the black woman. You know what I'm saying? And without them, the world cannot be populated. I don't care about all these people That's talking right. about these clones and 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 artificial mm-hmm. insemination and all this crazy stuff. You know, without our sisters, the world would not be populated. It wouldn't be as many people on this earth if it wasn't for our sisters, if it weren't for our women. So we have to put them on the pedestal because I know that a lot of us men can't do what women do, okay, as far as single parent and None of us men. You, you feel none me? Of us men. Single parent <laughs> homes and, and, and raising them right. kids with no, with no job or no man in the house or, or none, yet they find a way to put a meal on the table. They find a way to get those light bills paid, that rent paid, so these kids. I've seen my mother go through so much, and I never understood how she was able to do it. You know what I'm saying? Because I came from, I never seen my dad. I never known my dad. I came out real high yellow when I was born, and he was charcoal black. He said I was a white man's baby. But we won't go too far into that. So I never seen my dad. I, I've never been in a, 
My mama never been married. My mama never had a man in the house with her. She was always raising us on our own. That's how I ended up joining the insane Crips, you know, as 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 something to to help me to help my mother. You know what I'm saying? So I've seen how women just 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 power through, just power through and push through with nothing, man. And it's amazing. So we need to hold and grab our sisters, man, and put them on the highest pedestal, man, because they, to me, they are the strongest beings walking this planet, man, because they do things that I know that some of us men just wouldn't be able to do, man. Those, and, and I salute Absolutely. my sisters that stand up and know they work, you know? That's right. All us men. I mean, you know, we have to say that all us men. Let me tell you something about brothers, man. We get sick. We get a sniffling nose. Negro, we in bed crying. Need some chicken soup, baby. Baby, my head hurt. You know, we say yeah. these sisters give life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, a whole human being's existence comes out of their body. So, you know, off the rip, we can't do that. Don't even try to compete with that. I think one of our biggest problems, though, is like we were talking about is neocolonialism. One of the reasons we are so hard on our women is because, like I said, it's not just uh, oppressive supremacy or white supremacy, it's white male supremacy. We get into this thing, we have held our women to standards of other women. We have held our women to standards of other women. As long as, and now, unfortunately, a lot of our sisters are beginning to hold men to standards of other men. We have to begin to reclaim and reestablish the morals and ethics that are particular for an African people. And I think when we do that, then we will begin to raise our women to the status that our women deserve. What our sisters are doing, like right. I think Sister Ifa who came on and said, is nothing new. She took it all the way back to Big Mama now. You know, Big Mama always, we have always, as African people, always come from a matriarchal, I don't like using the word matriarchal, because that's yeah. that king and queen stuff like the European, I say matrifocal, where women were the center and the leaders of black and the, um, the foundation, the focal point, of the black community, and it has been, it was that in African tradition. I was doing a study, and I'm going to be brief. I was doing a study where they said that when you talk about the starting the birth of a society, it was women because women were the gatherers. Women had to, were around the cooking fires. Women were the herbologists, collected the herbs. So they had to know what were poison herbs, what weren't, what weren't poison herbs. They had to know the medical and the spiritual property of certain herbs. And they communicated that to their children. That's how things were passed down. So language, education, socialization developed around women's circles. And we as African people understood that. That's innate in us. That's why we got the big mama. When you sick, you go to big mama. That's why big mama run things. Even granddaddy would tell you, boy, go ask big mama. Go ask your grandmama. Go ask your mama. So we understood that. When we get when the patriarchal society came in, it came in through spiritualism, when they began to replace the Iami, when they began to replace the divine mothers and the all mothers and, and begin to put this um male dominant type of spiritualism and uh social cultural understanding, we adapted to that. But one of the things we have to understand is when we look historically that they have proven to hate their women. They're latent homosexuals. They're latent homosexuals. Right. And they hate right. their women. They gave black people the right to vote before they gave their women the, the right to vote. I said one time before when Hillary was running, just like they talk about Oprah, man, they're not going to let a woman run this country. I don't care if she got all the money, all the ideas or whatever, because they hate their women. And they have imparted, and we have become so neocolonialized. 
that we begin to adapt that attitude and treat and we become misogynistic and sadistic and chauvinist and sick and perverse in the treatment of our women, of our mothers and our sisters, of other people's mothers and sisters. And until we go back, the part of the revolution is a social cultural revolution. It's a revolution of morals and ethics. It's a revolution of normality. It's a revolution of decency. It's a revolution of righteousness. It's not just get rid of whitey. This is a revolution of going back to the natural nature of human beings and those human beings going back to the nature that is particular to their ethnicity and their cultural understanding. There's nothing wrong with that. We have to stop emulating. Listen, I've been married a couple times deep in the Islamic faith, and I still have my adherences to some Islamic principles. But one of the things I understood where I was going wrong and the the mistakes of of a lot of uh, the relationships I was in is that it wasn't the Islam, it was the Arab nationalism that I was embracing and I was trying to impose Arab culture on black women. And they're not going for that shit. Period. You only find us in America going through those troubles. They have Islam in Africa, but those people have an African Islamic understanding based on their social and cultural norms. We get over here, when we adopt religions, not only do we adopt the theology, not only do we adopt the teaching, we want to adopt the cultural understanding of people. We out Hebrew the damn Hebrew. We out Arab the Arab. It'd be 20 below in New York. Nigga got all sandals and a stove and a turkey. You're like, nigga, you better put a sandal <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we out people in their own culture. Embrace, we can take the best out of these understandings and not lose ourselves in these understandings. And we as a people's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination understood that. My Minister Justice understood that going through what she had went through um, due to discrimination, what she felt like, sexism, and just um, like she always tells, you know, I find that these brothers don't want to listen to women that are officers because she's an officer, a national officer. So we implemented a sexist policy. I think I challenge any party. I bet we're probably one of the only parties that have a sexist policy in our party. We have a sexist policy, and we'll bust your ass on it. Let you be brought up charges of sexism. And I think there's a whole policy within our manual, within our Constitution, because we understand the importance of, of getting back to a balance, a healthy relationship between black men and black women in this oppressive society. We understand that. We know the necessity for us, the importance for us to work together. And that we know what happens when we don't. When we don't, you have other movements that come and sap and pull and take the black woman from the from our movement, and that she begins to empower other movements. She begins to empower other movements, like Chairman Carl was talking about the the so-called movements of women's um, liberation, which is cool. I believe that the women should be empowered, but here comes the problem: is are you trying to change the system that oppresses all people? See, you can holler about, you can get things changed, you can become, there's a, a line that a lot of us cross from revolutionary to reformist, and they pull out women from revolutionary understandings, a complete and constructive change of an oppressive system to reformist, radical reformism, to where they just want to change the laws and policies that affect women, but they don't have a problem with the system overall. And we have to be careful of losing our people to that. And we do that because we have suffered 
from the conditioning of all press, and we begin to, like the sister said, I think she made some wonderful points, we begin to judge, live, act, and do everything according to a Eurocentric or oppressive mentality, even though we're on the bottom of the damn total. I've never hit the damnedest thing. To be on the bottom of the totem and to be thinking like the oppressive classes, like the um, bourgeoisie or whatever, like we really got it like that, to be thinking like that. I'm going in within my 10 minutes. I think Chairman Carr, let me open up Chairman Carr's mic. Chairman Carr, you wanted to say something. Yes. Uh, one is we had a good example, and and she was on a continent called Azania. The European called it South Africa, and that was Sister Winnie Mandela. Uh, she held a post when her husband was locked up and incarcerated. We have sisters, uh, Queen Mother Moore, who a lot of comrades, as we pound through, we definitely need to do some research on her. And she held her ground, organized the first black nationalist forum. And i like to share this, going back to Gavi, and I end with this. Jago Hoover, whole counterintelligence program, was named after Gavi. Stop the rise of a black messiah. Garvey's middle name was Messiah Garvey. And he said start the rise of black messiah because he's seen the schools. He's seen the sister. He's seen the black cross when the red cross didn't support us. He's seen women in position of authority that was part of that movement. He's seen the Boy Scout. He's seen the Girl Scout in the Universal Negro Approval Association. Then I drop another. He said, rise up, you mighty people. Africa, for those at home and those abroad, he talking about you and I, we abroad. We definitely not home. Black power. Black power, and we appreciate that. And this is the importance of, of you know, what we're doing. It's about all it's about in, in life. It's about revolutionary politics and understanding that, like, um, Deputy Chairman, Chairman Fred Ham Sr. of the Chicago, Illinois Black Panther Party for Self-Defense said politics is everything. Everything is politics. So we have to begin to understand the politics of the black family, the politics of relationships, the, po- the social, cultural politics. And this is how they attack people. When they can get you to begin to look at your um, culture as something inferior, when they begin to look at get your socialization and the way that you socialize and interact with one another as something inferior, then they can. that's when they control you because you begin to question what it is that made you who you are. Like I reiterate, I go back to what that sister said, and I think she said it so brilliantly when she went back talking about the big mamas. And the, you know, and, I'm, and, and the reason why that touched so home to me is because my grandmother was very instrumental in my upbringing. You know, she was, man, she was a key component in a lot of my upbringing, a lot of the way that I perceive things, how I, the way that I even look at um, black women and the standard that I hold all women and particularly black women to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with us to raising our women to these standards. I think that when we get into looking at our oppressor, begin to put into us superior, inferior. There is, in our relationships and in our social culture dynamic, there is no superior, inferior. There are only positions and roles that are played. The man plays one, the woman plays one. And we can't allow other people's culture to defy what roles those are. We can't allow other people, hear me when I say that, because that is so real. 
The revolutionary must begin to go and check every thought process. We have to check and recheck that thought process. When we're dealing with our women, when we're dealing with our children, when we're dealing with our neighbor, we need to think, is this the oppressive mindset? Am I judging this brother or sister? Am I um, dealing with this brother and sister according to an oppressive mindset? In a lot of instances, a Eurocentric mindset of superiority, inferiority, of haves and have-nots, of better than, less than? Am I looking on that, or am I looking from an African communalist perspective of empowering all of us as a people that maybe a particular person is down this time and that when that person is down, I'm affected, that what happens to these individuals affect me? Let us stop understanding. Let me end with this because we're coming in seven minutes and talking about um, our women. One of the things that I'm reminded of when reading, and, you know, I'm a student of revolution. I love reading about revolution internationally. And one of the things when I read about the Algiers Revolution, the French said they knew they had the Algerians when they made their women, or not made, when their women started coming out of their Islamic garb. They said they knew they, they said they knew they had them then. They said they knew that was the end of them. When their women began to come up, when they could get to their women and they came out of their Islamic garb. But what I loved about the Algerian revolutionaries is they began to use that to their advantage. They said, okay, you think you're going to pimp and panda our women? Exploit our women. These women started bringing back information when they were sleeping with them. You created the social conditions where our women had to uh, were reduced to this, where some of our men, God forbid, started feeling like they couldn't defend our women and our women were, um, the Algerian women were reduced to that type of behavior. Then they began to spy on the officers, bring back vital information. They began to use that very thing that they thought they had crippled the masses of people with to be an empowering tool. So that's what I'm telling you. When you keep that revolutionary mindset, that mindset of liberation, the thing that they use, that they think that they're using to cripple and to um, to maim you, can be the very thing that we use to empower us. What did Sun Tzu say in the Art of War? He said that if he's strong, you know what I'm saying. If he's big, you know what I'm saying. Um, then you use speak. You know what I'm saying. Sometimes. And, 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 and the thing reminds me of Brother Malcolm, when Malcolm said when they were in his burglary days, when they was coming out of a neighborhood that they had just finished casing, and he knew how the police looked at black people like niggers, like ignorant Negroes, he said they got a carload of stolen goods, police right behind them, told his partner to pull the police, pull the car over. Partner looked at him, he said, pull the car over. Pulled the car over. Malcolm jumped out, ran over to the police car, said, boss, we lost. How you get out of this white folk neighborhood? Police pointed him out. He riding out with a carload of soul stuff. So a lot of times their arrogance and their superiority is their, or their thinking that they're superior, superior is their downfall. So I say this, man, there's nothing we can't accomplish if we stick together, we do it as one people. So with that, man, I thank everyone for coming on. The chairmen, all the input, the comments. It's been a wonderful show. I'm your brother. National Chairman Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Join me Thursday. Let's continue with Thursday. And I'll get the information for the um, sister show at 7 o'clock Thursday. I want to thank Queen Nikki coming in. Robert said he loved the show. Sorry I couldn't listen. And thank everybody who contributed. With that, I leave you as I greeted you. That's all powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. Black power, Black Chairman. power, thank you so much. Brother. One time, yeah. 
Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did pure. Like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics acknowledge Leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee I duck, could it be my time is up with my love I got up, the cops shot again Bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in Blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit This is my hood, I'm a rat to the death of it So everybody come on, little niggas is grown Hood rats, don't abortion your wound We need more warriors soon Sent from the stars, sun and the moon And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die Diamonds are blinded. I never make the same mistakes. Moving with a change of pace, light a load. See now the king is. 